The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Everybody and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we're here to talk about games and storytelling and actually this week a very striking lack of storytelling, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. I guess uh, I, I did mention there was something I wanted to share. Yes, uh, you, we before we started so. recording, Dylan apologized for being slightly late to the session with the statement, video games happened and I must know more. Okay, so this is where we get our storytelling bit of the episode out of the way. <laughs> but I, I wanted to talk about... So I was over at a friend's house for the 4th of July, and he had Ace Combat 7. So I was playing that, um, and I'm like, oh yeah, dogfighting games is fun. So I, my brother actually has a copy of Ace Combat 4 that neither of us have really touched because uh, intimidation of the flight sim controls. Uh, but like I, I sat down and really sunk my teeth into it, and a that's a really good game. It's, it's pretty aces. <laughs> hey, pun not intended. But I don't believe fully, you. The, actually, no. I I didn't mean to do that. I've said <laughs> aces to describe things before. Um, but it's yeah, no. It's it's a really fun game. And on top of that, uh, a cool moment happened where I I did a mission, and at the end, the rivals, as it were, like the the elite dog fighting squad on the opposite team they come in and they just mess your shit up uh which i feel like is very standard video game storytelling fair yeah. but uh the, the one real cool thing about ace combat 4 is the uh the framing device for the story which is it isn't a story like it at first it seems like a memoir of this boy who like is growing up during this time of war who befriends a pilot and you know that's what the story is about However, and this is spoilers for a game that is, you know, over a decade old. Um, I think we're probably good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know a lot of people who are like, I need to know the story to Ace Combat 4. It's it's a cool, like, you know, in between the, the cutscenes, it's not, like, in between the levels of gameplay. Rather than it being, like, this huge sweeping war story, it's very personal. And the plot twist is at the end because the pilot he befriends is the final boss for you. And Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. That's so the, cool. This the the story of Ace Combat 4 is about a kid in this occupied town occupied by the opposing uh army, but he manages to befriend the leader of the final boss attack squadron. <laughs> and the framing device is that this isn't actually a memoir. This is a letter that he is writing to you the player just as a like, you know, remember this guy because he he was actually really cool and I think in another life you would have been friends. That's which is really wild. Cool. That's yeah. really cool. It's a really cool take for a story. Yeah, um, dang. <laughs> but uh in addition to that, uh one something that's really cool in the Ace Combat games that I never really appreciated before. It's like semi-arcade semi-flight sim 
But uh, a really cool thing that, uh, you know, a lot of arcade games have are the results screen. The results screen in Ace Combat, uh, while you are looking at the points you've racked up, there is actually, like, a little, you know, simplified, like, graphical... You, you see the path that your plane t- took and, like, the uh, the enemies that you've taken out, and it's all kind of playing out like a replay in front of you in real time. And so you can see yes. all the cool maneuvers you're doing, and, like, yes. when you shoot the plane down, like, it that's gets added to your score. Uh, it's it's really cool. That's fucking dope. That's some Boondock Saint shit, and I'm always here for some <laughs> Boondock Saint shit. Yeah, because, like, as I was, you know, amateur pilot Dylan uh, fucking up and trying not to crash, the score results screen makes it seem like I did all that on purpose. <laughs> I love it so So it really much. is very Boondock Saints. That's so good. Um, <laughs> I love that. I just completely spaced. I apologize if I'm a little out of it. I literally less than an hour ago finished an eight-hour day of work so i'm code switching pretty hard into like away from sit at a computer and don't and don't say anything mode into be funny into a microphone mode (laughs) so we'll see how this goes um you're just not that all the time i mean wait (laughs) i'm trying to decide if you're reading me or reading the culture that is work in an office uh i was reading you but fair enough (laughs) um let us dive into the episode proper uh we're gonna be talking about a pretty unique to video games thing in that the 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 words that we have written for this topic in our like episode doc is mundane fantasy yes which is to say that we're gonna be talking about games that are not really about the story at all yeah or like about like the story at most is like the framing device for who you who the character you're controlling is and why they are present yeah as a starting point let's talk about because this game has been sort of on people's minds recently uh the animal crossing franchise they recently announced that animal crossing what's it called what's the next one called uh something island something uh tropical uh, animal crossing <laughs> this is good content we are we are fans of the animal crossing franchise let me tell you <laughs> uh, <laughs> boy howdy i do sure love crossing all those animals new horizons new horizons that's, that's it what it's yes called. thank you all i could think of was new leaf and that was the last one that came out yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so they announced that New Horizons is going to be coming out uh, in early 2020, and people are very excited for this game. And Animal Crossing is a game series that, to be honest, I've never gotten that into. I played, I played a little bit of New Leaf, and I play, that's about it. Yeah, I played a little bit of the original Animal Crossing and had fun. It's a fun game. It's a, like very cute game it's a fun place to spend some time but it never like clicked with me in a way that some of the other games we'll be talking about uh in this episode did but what's fascinating is that animal crossing is a game in which you are depending on the game your circumstances are slightly different but generally you are in charge of a town you are elected mayor and you have to keep the town running and keep people happy and like manage your home and the town in general and for some reason being mayor also involves doing like 
odd jobs for various people around town, and that's kind of it. Like, yeah, uh, I think most in... of the game is like getting doodads and knickknacks and just using them to decorate your house. Yeah, and in the original Animal Crossing, there is a there's an element of like you owe a bunch of money to somebody, and so you're trying to pay them back. But again. That's kind of it. That's as deep as the story goes. And the game is you interacting with the people in this town and doing these odd jobs and this busy work and collecting things. And that is kind of crazy that a game can be as popular as the Animal Crossing franchise is while having that little that, like, actually happens. And that's kind of what I meant by, like, this is something that you only see in games because we can we were looking through this and we came up with a bunch of other examples of this kind of game, this mundane fantasy. You'd never have a movie like this. If you had a movie or a play or a novel in which, like, there's no real conflict and it's just, like, a guy doing his daily life and talking to people, nobody's showing up on opening night for that movie. (laughs) That ain't gonna happen. And yet, Animal Crossing has a huge fan base under Nintendo, and people are thrilled for the launch of this next game, and it's like, I don't have answers to why, but this episode is going to be us kind of like looking at a few examples of this and trying to like, what is it about this that makes it work, and why are games able to, I mean, well, why games are able to do this when other medium aren't is an easy answer, and that's, you're doing interactivity. the thing. It's interactivity. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, a case of the fact of you being the one to do it makes up for the fact that what you're doing is farming or mundane. Yeah. Like I I think there is something to be said about, okay. So the first and more reasonable example that I was thinking of is like, there's something to be said, (laughs) shut up (laughs) of watching like, you know, something that is mundane or slice of life esque. Um, I know that's like a popular genre of anime, but I'm trying to think if there's like a Western equivalent but I can't think of anything where it's just like, look at this perfectly pleasant thing that is yeah. going on without any conflict or semblance of a plot. <laughs> I mean, Let's Plays. And that's not like a, a pejorative thing. I mean, Let's Plays are the appeal of, you know, you are playing video games with your buds, even yeah. if they are buds and you're just a listener. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. You're pressed up against the window of the living room watching your friends play video games. <laughs> The other thing that was uh, a lot less reasonable, I think, oh, was boy. ASMR, <laughs> or at least like, or yeah, Walk I'm thinking me of like your thought process. I, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of like the parody of like I don't know, like not even like uh like I'm going to crinkle paper and lick my lips into the microphone. I I was thinking something more in terms of like I'm at the beach now. Let my mind wander as I hear the beach noises. Okay, so more like guided meditation type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm glad you weren't like, yeah, I mean, Animal Crossing basically has the same engagement curve as Funky Kong (laughs) tries to help you through your... Walking through my divorce or Bayonetta ordering a large order at Applebee's, finally. Oh my god. I get what you're saying, though, now that that we've moved away from where my mind initially went. Animal Crossing was a good example that popped into my head, but a another example that I am more equipped to talk about because I've actually played it is Stardew Valley sure. and, by extension, the Harvest Moon series that it was, you know, an homage to. Mm. For those of you who haven't played Stardew Valley, 
go play Stardew Valley. It's a delight and it makes me happy and I smile a lot when I play it. My, my girlfriend just very excitedly pointed at herself and smiled as well and she doesn't typically play video games. So <laughs> that should tell you something. Um, I got one. Stardew Valley is a game in which you are someone who is caught in the corporate machine until you find out that you have been left to farm in a little town called Stardew Valley and you farm and that's the game. You like... You go out Slow and down, you... Chris. You can also fish. That... <laughs> Thank you, yes. Uh, <laughs> but the main engagement loop is like every day in game time lasts a set amount of time. I don't know exactly what it is. I want to say it's like 10-ish minutes. And in, with that day, you plant crops. You can clear your land. Any crops that you have planted, you have to make sure that they get watered. You can wander around town and talk to people. There's an element of the game where like you can give gifts to the townsfolk to try to woo them into marrying you. There's, like, festivals. Everyone in town has their own routine. You can go fishing. There's an element... There's, like, a very slight combat element in that you can, like, go into a mine to gather resources and there's creatures in the mine. But again, like, that's only there so that you can go down there and gather, you know, metal to make into ingots to use to craft sprinkler systems so you can spend less of your day watering your increasingly large farm and it's such a like i guess this is one element like you were just brought up guided meditation it's such a nice pleasant like meditative kind of game yeah it's the kind of game that like especially as we are recording this in july i'm in my non-air-conditioned apartment in chicago and i don't want to get heated at my game system all the time sometimes i just want to like lounge and farm and like turn my brain off and stardew valley is really good at that yes as someone who hasn't quite uh played a lot of stardew valley but has spent a considerable amount of time playing uh one of the harvest moon games for the gamecube a wonderful life oh it's so good yeah yeah harvest I, moon I wonderful have... life is so good I, uh, I, I have, like, a little bit of a confession to make, if, if, I hope you don't kill me. <laughs> Go, um, hit me. I love Stardew Valley, but I think the one thing that kind of kept me from, like, jumping all in is that, like, Harvest Moon has, like, such an earthly, an earthy color palette, that, and, like, Stardew Valley is a lot more, like, pastels, and, like, that's a really pedantic thing, but, like, I just, I can, I can kind of ease myself and immerse myself, and relax a lot more in harvest moon if, if i make sense at all yeah no that's totally fair like and that's like a purely aesthetic thing but i i recognize stardew valley as like good <laughs> yeah i mean and harvest moon the harvest moon series is basically the same thing stardew valley is a love letter to harvest moon as a franchise mm -hmm. god harvest moon on the gamecube was also just like exquisite for all of the same reasons i just laid out like they're mm -hmm. Very relaxing games. There are games that you can pick up without needing to, like, learn a ton. But then they also, like, I think part of it, there's a surprising amount of depth of a kind. Yeah. Like, available to you. Like, uh, like you, you by no means need to, like, go deep into the mechanics of Stardew Valley or Harvest Moon. But if you get to the point where, like, I have had fun tilling my little four by four field every day i want to learn how to like you know see how much of a farm i can set up like there was a great twitter thread a while ago about this guy who like introduced his girlfriend to stardew valley as a way of just like hey this is a game that we can like 
play together and it's simple enough that you can pick it up having not played a lot of games and we, this is something we can like have fun with and relax with and then his girlfriend ended up like turning the game into like a fully fleshed out industrial farm oh my goodness that's <laughs> and, amazing like, went deep on it and like <laughs> i don't remember because like i definitely was not the kind of person to play games that way back when i was playing harvest moon on the gamecube <laughs> so I don't remember if there's that same level of depth, but, like, that's a really cool thing that, like, even though there's no conflict, even though it's just sort of there for you to, like, s like, it's a sandbox in the truest sense of the word. Yeah. It is but a mundane fantasy, uh, and I think to kind of put a definition to that, it, there's not really a fail state or a win state. No. It's just a loop. Yeah, it's just there to let you be and let you do what you want to do in this environment if it's a place that you like to spend time. Yeah. Um, Side note, uh, Rune Factory, I think two new, one re-release of an old Rune Factory game and one brand new Rune Factory game are going to be released for the Switch, and that's kind of cool. Rune Factory being a RPG spinoff of Harvest Moon. So that's pretty cool. And I'll probably, really cool. I'll probably check those in as someone who hasn't really dipped their toes in the series since... Uh, high school i've actually never heard of rune factory before oh really yeah uh, it's yeah no it's it's uh it's basically harvest moon but like there's also a dungeon crawling element to it okay uh yeah it's it's pretty cool you you basically you're you're getting enemies will drop items that you will use for crafting and it's it's its own thing but it's it's just like it's fantasy harvest moon i really like that i might have to look that up because that sounds super fucking fun <laughs> Yeah, it, it appeals to the part of me that likes to level grind and, uh, or otherwise, like, have some kind of, like, I'm going to fight these enemies and <laughs> just, but, like, in a way that is relaxing and not, like, time to kill! <laughs> <laughs> Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Oh my god. <laughs> what about their legs? They haven't been eating those. Oh um, but yeah, no, so I, I think we, we covered the big ones with uh, Animal Crossing, uh, Stardew Valley, and Harvest Moon. Uh, I want What I want to do is I kind of want to shift the, the conversation over to maybe games that aren't mundane fantasy, but have some excellent mundane fantasy elements in them. So the first example that comes to my mind that like I haven't actually played, so you'll have to forgive me. Okay. Um, I have a couple friends who've been telling me that I would absolutely love Shenmue. I've also not played Shenmue, but I've heard really cool things about it. Yeah, um, and I, I basically hear two, I don't want to say conflicting, but I, I hear two opinions on uh, Shenmue. It's slow, it's directionless, I don't know what I'm doing half the time, it sucks. Or <laughs> it's slow, it's directionless, I don't know what I'm doing half the time, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very much this. <laughs> Uh, I, I saw one YouTuber, I think it, I think his name was, uh, Happy Console Gamer. Uh, he basically talked about the game in, like, it is a game that, like, wants you to take it slow. It's a game that wants you to go walk up to a capsule near a drugstore and, like, open up and see if you get that Sonic action figure that you wanted. Um, <laughs> it's a game that is just about talking to NPCs and exploring the different uh, parts of town. There is a story where you're trying to track down your father's killer, but, like, so much of, like, the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay is about mundanity. And that is something that is extremely cool that I really like. 
Uh, that's one of my favorite things in video games is the mundanity. Um, so, Chris, I don't know if you want to take it away, but I can I can keep talking with more examples if you want. To kind of piggyback off of what you just brought up about that, like, lack of direction can be either a really cool or really frustrating thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that, I think, to go back to a game that we talk about, it seems like almost every episode. Oh, boy. Uh, is it Breath of the Wild? It is Breath of the Wild. <laughs> oh, because... we're so predictable. I know. It's almost like... <laughs> I, it's almost like I've been playing that game again recently. Um, <laughs> I think that like one of the things about that game that is divisive, mm-hmm. and again, this is totally fair, is that general sort of lack of direction. Like there's some, you know, when you're when you are for those of you who haven't played it, the the beginning of the game takes place in like a much smaller chunk of map, and you're sort of cut off from the larger game world um, until you fulfill a few tasks that kind of teach you the basics of what you're going to be doing in this world and how the game is going to interact with you. It's honestly like a really great tutorial section because it doesn't, it holds your hand just enough to say like, go to these places and in getting to those places, you're going to be put in situations that are going to prepare you for the game world at large and like kudos for that. But then once you get off of that area, you're given like two really broad and largely optional, like, here are the two things you could do right now. But also, there's map in every direction. And for me, I loved that. Like, yeah. I get why that was unusual. Zelda games for a long time have been very like, and this is the point at which you go to this dungeon. And then after that, you will be told to go to this place. And then after that, you will be told to go to this dungeon. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. That is how a lot of games do. But as someone who loves the aspect of, like, in the first Legend of Zelda game on the NES, where it just, like, opens up and you're in a plane and you can go up, down, left, or right, and the game's like, figure it out, I don't know. Like, I love that that is the tack that Breath of the Wild took. And it speaks to, like, for me, exploring in Breath of the Wild, exploring in the original Zelda is the same kind of, like, mundane fantasy element. I think for me, the moment when I realized, like, the mundane element of Breath of the Wild, because it it does frame itself as, like, this grand adventure, but, like, it's really at its best when you're like, oh, this this carpenter wants me to give him 30 pieces of wood so he can make a house for me. Yep. I am going to spend this entire game session just chopping down wood and getting the money I need for this man to build me a house. Yep. Or uh, there's a whole subplot that's completely missable. It's out on like a frontier area of the map in Breath of the Wild that you are never required to go to, but you can find this like little fledgling village and you can like do a bunch of little side quests to make this village populated. And, like, it culminates in a wedding between two of the people that come to live in this village. And it's, like, such a wonderful little story Mm -hmm. about nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. And I love that that's built into this game. And, like, now that I'm thinking about this, a lot of the... I have been open-world game fatigued recently. Yeah. Like, after the last few years. Like, I love a lot of open-world games. And, like, some of the early Assassin's Creed games remain some of my favorite games of that sort of era like Assassin's Creed 1 and 2 are both exceptional partially in no small part because of their worlds and how you can interact with them but even in those 
my favorite thing about them, and I think the thing about open world games that is so impactful when done well, is this element of mundanity. Like the the thing in um, Assassin's Creed One that they scrapped in the uh, following games, but that I absolutely loved is that. Now I'm talking about Assassin's Creed in this game, which I was in this episode, which I was not at all expecting to be. Yeah, congratulations, um, we got there. <laughs> but the way that Assassin's Creed One was set up was very formulaic, and that was a problem that a lot of people had with it, and that's totally fair. But it didn't ever bother me. But the way that it would work is you would go and you'd meet with like the Assassins Bureau in whatever city your mission was in, and they'd be like, "All right, go gather info and then report back." And the info gathering was always like. You trail someone to an alley and beat them up until they talk, or you eavesdrop on a conversation, or you pickpocket something, and, like, all of that was fine. They were, like, fairly repetitive little, like, mini-quest things. Yeah. But what that gave you, if you wanted it, every one of those would give you a piece of information that you could open up the menu and read that would tell you something you could use on the actual assassination mission. And it could be as little as like a note saying something like they've asked the rooftops to be cleared. So that oh, lets so you cool. know that like there's not going to be any archers on the roofs in this section of the city during this mission. That's or it could so be cool. Like, here's like here is the the updated postings of where we need our guards posted. So you know what alleyways are going to have guards in and you can plan around that. Oh, man, it really sounds like I need to play the first Assassin's, Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed 1 is like this is a weird opinion, but it is my favorite game in that series. <laughs> Um, I, I started at two. Uh, yeah, and, and two is great. Two, like two and Brotherhood were good, and then I I burnt out after. Two that. and Brotherhood have better stories. One fair, fair. like th- that simple element of like them giving you these optional pieces of information that you can use if you want to, is the coolest thing about that game. And like again, it's not extra gameplay. It's just this element of like if you want to plan, if you want to engage in this world a little bit more deeply in a way that isn't mechanical like that's i guess that's kind of what we're getting at as well with this idea of mundane fantasy is it's engagement beyond the plot or the mechanics yeah because they could have removed they did not need to put any of those like little details or little maps or anything into the game and it wouldn't have affected how fun it is to play Mm mm-hmm if it hadn't been there, I wouldn't have noticed, and I probably still would have loved Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's there, and the fact that it's, th- like, that is very cool, and that is a very, like, small detail that helps create the feeling that the world is a little bit more real. Yeah. Which I think is another big part of this idea of mundane fantasy. Like, Yeah, definitely. I guess w- tying it back into Animal Crossing, yeah. uh, I feel like because so much of the decorations that you get, there's such a wide variety of them. And there are NPCs where you can go into their houses and, like, there really is this sense of, like, them decorating their house to suit their personality, which kind of is this feedback loop of you encouraging encouraging you as the player to really put your own personal touches on your living space. And I forgot how this tied back into what you were saying, so I apologize for that, but they just entered my head and I wanted to get that out, so... You can continue. <laughs> no, that's totally fair. And like that's that's what makes games like Animal Crossing and Harvest Moon and Stardew Valley and Breath of the Wild. That's what makes them engaging in those moments when you're not doing anything plot related is that they feel like a world that is real and is there for you to engage with. And that's really playing into the strengths of 
this interactive medium where it's all about what you want to do. There's a a couple of other examples that we had written down that we oh, can get into. Was there? I haven't looked at that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but before we get into those, I think that we should probably slide our way into the theater in time to take our seats and crack open the playbill. What do you think? Yes, I was actually about to suggest that myself. Good, I'm glad we're on the same page. That was gross. (laughs) It's it's just my voice. Well, Slimy Wilson, can you you tell me... I've let the facade slip, and now for the rest of time, this will be the voice you hear coming through your headphones during backstage gaming. Amazing. So, Slimy Wilson, <laughs> can you tell us about any of our uh, any projects you're in coming uh, up? I can, in well, fact. Well, Chris, you're back? What yeah, happened to sorry, Slimy I, Wilson? I banished the beast. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. He, he I, I put him back inside me. Uh, Did really? Like- oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I can tell you at least about one project because it's the most further the most along um there's a currently an audio drama being produced called Unwell a Midwestern Gothic Mystery it is fantastic it's a really great audio drama i have been enjoying listening to it just so so fucking much because the story is really cool but also like the sound design and the audio engineering and like the way they're kind of playing with the audio is like fascinating and so if you're if you like audio dramas or you're just like interested to see people playing around with a medium, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, I am involved very minorly. I am one of the characters in sort of the coda of their season one. So if you listen to it and you enjoy it, continue listening until episode 12 and you'll get to hear me really just screaming a whole lot. And it was a lot of fun to record. So definitely check them out there on Twitter at Unwell Podcast. And they are fantastic i'm also i've recently been cast in a number of other projects that i have been like tweeting about on my twitter but none of them are far enough along for me to be like be on the lookout for this so you know i guess check me out on twitter and uh you'll be able to follow my my upcoming projects i don't know why i turned into nicholas cage for that plug (laughs) hey dylan while i'm while i'm sweltering away in the heat sometimes i don't even have the energy to pick up the controller for a nice stardew valley session and i just want to turn on some uh, some good old-fashioned japanese animation and a companion podcast to tell me what i should think about that japanese animation <laughs> <laughs> can you dictate anything to me we don't tell you what to think we, <laughs> we, we engage with the media um what chris is talking about friends is the show dude that is d-u-d-e you remember Macross, Macross spelled M-A-C-R-O-S-S. And basically what that is, is uh, me and a mutual friend of ours, gentleman and scholar Coop, uh, we, we talk about we talk about the show Macross and it how it kind of engages with uh, various themes. It's a it's a mecha anime from the eighties. It it's it's kind of a springboard for us to talk about, you know, in addition to the plot and the characters, this kind of post-war 80s Japan and what their take on culture is, uh, pop culture, kind of deprogramming from uh, the very militaristic culture they had priorly. And I actually, I'm reading, uh, I, I'm reading a Japanese historian's account on like Japan's war mentality in the 1800s and ni- early 1900s. Wait, what? That's so, so cool. So like, we're, we're really diving deep here. I love um, it. 
Yeah, so we, we just wrapped on Boy, the, imagine the if first... we prepped for this podcast as much as you prepped for Do You Remember? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we're, we're going to be talking about the franchise's first movie um, with this upcoming episode. Should be available the day after this episode go- comes out. Oh, yes. Um, and it's it's really cool. Really excited to talk more about it. We even talk about, like, in the last episode, we talked about Christmas and the the implications that has in Japanese culture. So it's, 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 I think it's a good, ep- I, I think it's a good series. I think we do good work on it. If you want to check it out, you. <laughs> um, if, if you want to check it out, uh, you should, uh, listen to us on, I'm pulling it up. Sorry. Love you. <laughs> Anchor.fm slash dude. You remember, uh, we are also on Spotify, Google play and Apple podcasts. Oh, uh, you yes. can also check us out on Facebook or Twitter at dude. You remember. All right, you should also go and show some love to our friends over at The Unexplored Places. They just wrapped season one. I am not caught up yet, and it makes me incredibly anxious because I need to know how it ends. But it's a, <laughs> it's a phenomenal cast. It's a great group of people. Uh, it's a bunch of friends of Dylan and mine from when we were in college, and we are both going to be involved in their upcoming season two. I'm going to be part of the main cast. Dylan will be there as he is available uh semi-regular. he'll be sort of a yeah semi regular <laughs> cameo appearances uh we've also and been doing if i'm not there to play i will be voicing over lines that uh the game master christine will say for me yeah. so it'll so be fun so you'll get to hear hear dylan's dulcet tones plenty in there too uh we've also <laughs> been doing some stuff for their patreon exclusive work some stuff for their uh between seasons uh interstitial episodes and you can find them at unexploredcast.libsyn.com or on Twitter at unexploredcast. Uh, definitely give them a, a listen and a follow. They're super fucking good. And finally, we have a Patreon, and that Patreon is awesome, and that Patreon funds our show. It covers all of our expenses. It covers our website hosting fees and everything like that, and that is incredible. And thank you to everyone who has pledged. It means the world to us, but also to those of you who haven't. If you like what we do, Head on over to patreon.com slash bsgpod and consider pledging a little bit every month. Every bit helps. The more we get, the more we'll be able to do things like upgrade our recording setups or start new projects or devote more time to what we're doing. With us having hit that first goal, we are going to be uh, recording a Patreon-exclusive episode on the concept of the three unities from classical theater. Uh as voted on by our patrons. So if that sounds interesting to you, head over and give us some money and you can listen to it. Um, <laughs> that's really it. If you can't mm-hmm. pledge, like we totally get it. We're also like voice actors and poor. So whatever, <laughs> but yeah, no pressure. <laughs> if you can afford and you like what we're doing enough to want to support us in that way, that would be amazing. And with that all said and done, let's dive back into this weird topic we're talking about. So I opened up the, uh, the docket. Yes. And I had forgotten that one of the other things that we wrote down here is the coaching mode in sports games. Oh yeah. Which is gonna be gonna be forthwith forthright. I have never played one of these. Um I have watched a friend play one of them. You will be like, the resident expert. <laughs> it is like sports games well, specifically because there's only EA sports. It's in the game. They've been super inconsistent about like what modes uh they they put in the next iteration of their game they will they will put in and take out features and stuff like that so i don't know which uh versions of mada mada madden fifa <laughs> uh you know what have you 
uh, these are in. So apologies ahead of time, but yeah, there th- are... This is us talking more out of our ass than we usually do, but it's a yeah. fascinating thing and it definitely fits with this sort of genre that we're talking about. Yeah. There are uh, career modes uh, in in sports games. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Sorry. There are career modes in sports games uh, in which, you know, you are managing a team, but uh, also, like, I- I've seen modes in sports games where, like, you have your own hashtag MTV crib. Uh, <laughs> like, there's a coaching mode where, like, I've seen you talk directly to the players when the- if they approach you with, like, a grievance or an issue. There's a lot of different ways I've seen it handled, so I wish I could be a little bit more consistent with it. But uh, I always went over to friends' houses to play sports games. I never really owned them on my own. Uh, that being said, I, I did think it was worth mentioning and kind of, you know, giving it the nod. As I understand it, there are some where it's like a career mode. And so it's like you're trying to... It's like fantasy. Uh, fantasy sports. Yeah. And that is absolutely wild to me. Because they've built a game in which you can play the game. Like, you you can step in and take control of the actual action and, like, you know, play a sports game. You run the ball, you throw the ball, you kick the ball, whatever. And then they also were like, but what if we made another mode that is less interactive and basically, like I said, it's fantasy football. It's you draft a team... And based on the stats that the players have in the game, as I understand it, at least in some of these, it just determines the outcome of games, right? Yeah. Um, and- I'm actually looking up, because apparently Madden 19 has uh, something called a franchise mode. Although Madden 19 was last year's game. It's probably Madden 20 now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember how the stupid... Madden games are like cars. Yeah. Anyway, franchise mode is a staple of the NFL games for players who wish for a long-term experience as they lead their favorite team to the Super Bowl. Uh, Players can choose to be a player, be a coach, or be an owner, with pros and cons for each. Uh, I'm gonna follow this link to IGN and see if I can get any more details. Oh yeah, this is cool. So I'm looking at the coach mode and you have like a custom character who's like looking at a billboard at an office and looks very official. (laughs) I forgot uh, about that element where like you also build your own football sona. Yeah. You're to be the manager of damn. There's like, there's stuff like salary cap and the draft. (laughs) So like the, yeah, no, they really go all in on this. If you want to live your fantasy of being a football coach, which I know all you gamers do. But I mean, that's the thing is like that. There is a subset of people for whom that is going to be, an incredibly engaging and incredibly rewarding thing. Yeah, and I'm they, not talking that. Yeah. I want to make clear. Like, but I like think that, it's really cool. Yeah, that's what we're talking about with this idea of mundane fantasy. And I think that's one of the other things is with this concept being so based in play and being so based in, like, the aesthetics and the feel of the world. Like we were talking about, you know, Dylan likes Harvest Moon more than Stardew Valley because of the color palette. Like, that's a thing. And so for this... If you love the idea of fantasy football and you're like a football nerd in the way that like you, you know, sweep your office fantasy league every year, this is going to be such a cool time sink for you. It's going to be such a fun thing to get into the weeds on and to be able to like do this thing that you already enjoy and you already know how to do just more and with your like 
actually getting to see it play out as if you had the, that team you drafted for your fantasy league was the team that was playing. I love it. I think that's so cool. Okay, so I had a, I had a couple more games I wanted to talk about before we wrapped up. Please do. Um, okay, cool. I was pretty... It was either last week or the week before, but I was pretty rough on Final Fantasy XV. <laughs> Let me it's talk true. about the reasons why I love Final Fantasy XV. Please do. I'm so curious. <laughs> uh, so, like, Final Fantasy XV is at its worst when, really, the story kind of hijacks the gameplay, uh, which happens in, like, the last third of the game, and it's really unfortunate. Because I was having such a blast with the game up until that point, and then the rest of that was like a slog through crushing disappointment. <laughs> but let's talk about the positives. So the basic story of Final Fantasy XV is that you are a prince of a kingdom who is going to uh, a royal, like you are going to your own royal wedding, or you believe that is the case. Uh, plot happens with whatever i won't dwell <laughs> on it you are with uh three of your retainers uh so you have your bodyguard you have your tutor who is also your uh driver your valet um and you have your best friend in high school he he's just your friend he doesn't actually work for you but uh <laughs> he he's he's cool he can tag along and ignoring the plot the bulk of the game is actually just kind of roaming the countryside with your three buds and camping at places, or, you know, maybe you'll check into a hotel or something. And the the game the gameplay of loop of Final Fantasy XV, you can opt to do side quests and stuff, but you're really just exploring the countryside. Uh, maybe you'll hunt monsters that your valet will then use to create new recipes. And Wait, they are very well rendered. Yeah, honestly, I think... Final Fantasy XV leans even harder into mundane fantasy than uh, Breath of the Wild does. I love um, that. Yeah. Gosh, I'm trying to think. Uh, one of your friends, uh, he has a photography hobby. So um, he will take pictures. And then whenever you guys camp, that is when you, you can select some of the pictures that he's taken that you really like to save. Fucking good. It's really cool. Let's... Uh, and... Mm -hmm. I just want to take a moment to say, like, stuff like that is underused and fantastic. Like, yeah. I was talking about this recently with, um, actually, with Christine, our friend who GMs uh, the Unexplored Places, because they were asking me what kind of tropes I like and dislike so that they can build out their ideas for the story and for the world that we're going to be playing in for season two of uh, Unexplored Places. And one of the things I brought up is that I love the elements in high action and high adventure stories when nothing is happening. Mm. Uh, and the example I used is like uh, in because it's the go to example of our culture uh, in Star Wars, A New Hope specifically, <laughs> the scenes on the Millennium Falcon as they're traveling mm -hmm. where they like they let there be time to breathe and time for these characters to talk to each other. All right, so Chris, some can of, I just say this what? real quick, that it is baffling to me that you haven't seen Cowboy Bebop yet. I've seen some of it. I have not okay, watched all okay, of it. Good. I need to okay. watch all of it. But, like, <laughs> that element is so good, and the lack of that is one of the things that I think hampers a lot of the newer Star Wars movies. Is there's oh, shit, not, now that you mention it, yeah. There's not as much time given to letting that the pause. Letting characters breathe. And letting, yeah, letting the... Letting the tension build or ebb a little bit letting the characters breathe in this new circumstance that they found themselves in 
Heck, it even makes the galaxy. Actually, now that I think about now that I think about it, that's one of the reasons why I liked Solo, despite popular opinion. <laughs> yeah, like that's one of the things that I think helps Solo a lot, and it also makes the universe feel bigger. Mm-hmm. It like I like that sense of like, yeah, we're moving at the speed of light, but it still takes us. You know, it's still a road trip. Yeah, and that's kind of I guess another element of this is like it it makes everything feel more holistically connected. Mm-hmm. And building worlds that feel holistically whole help to helps to create this sense of like the fantastic mundane, like you were talking about with this like you get to sit at the campfire now go on because I must know more about this, okay, yeah, uh, let me gush a little bit more about the good points of Final Fantasy fifteen, so yeah, uh, there's another thing I love. you can opt for so so you travel by car, you have a car. Um, you can opt to drive the car yourself or let the valet uh, drive you. And while there is a quick travel option, there's also just an autopilot option. So you can just kind of take in the sights as you drive. And like, you know, there's a radio station where you can play uh, music from other Final Fantasy games. It's, it's, I it's, love that so it's really, much. It's really good. Um, and the, the prince himself uh, that you play as, he likes to go fishing. So there's a fishing mini game, and Chris, let me tell you something. I don't like fishing. I don't like fishing mini games. I love Final Fantasy XV's fishing mini game. <laughs> and there is a VR game that is just the fishing, and I'm mad that I can't play it. <laughs> That's so cool. That's um, so cool. Yeah, and so this this all this all adds together to like make a game where you just kind of wander the countryside. Just chilling with your buds. And that's the best part of the game. Like, you fighting off the evil empire, that's the worst part of the game. <laughs> like, the combat's fine, it's serviceable, but it, it doesn't quite scratch any itches. But, like, you know, I will fight some monsters because I know that I can use their meat to make, like, <laughs> fucking steak tartare or something. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. And so that's that's what I wanted to talk about. Play FF15. Don't ever try to beat FF15. <laughs> uh, once you unlock the entire world map, just I think which is like chapter six of uh, 15, just don't play past that. <laughs> <laughs> just stop playing the game. You you got to the best part. I mean, like if you if you're really sold on the story, you you can do it, but like it'll sour your opinion. Is all I'm trying to say. Anyway, uh, the last game I want to talk about, Final Fantasy 15, I think was really the high note, but um. I wanted to talk about Pokemon Gold, because I think that was the, you know, that was the game I played in my childhood that really kind of sparked this interest in doing nothing in video games. Fuck yeah, Gold and Silver were such a good generation of the Pokemon games. Yeah, um, and I, I feel like I have some hardcore Pokemon fans rolling their eyes. Uh, not not Kershey, Kershey's a friend. Uh, <laughs> he, he wouldn't. But, uh, anyway... Uh, something I really liked about uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver is, you know, for starters, the day-night cycle, the real-time day-night cycle that is based on the actual clock that you set. Um, so if you turn the game on at 8 o'clock at night, the game will be set to 8 o'clock at night. And, you know, in addition to changing the color palette of what's going on on screen, uh, NPC dialogue can change, uh, where NPCs are can change. There are different events based on the day of the week. So if you want to do that bug catching contest, you have to be at this place on Wednesday at however, whatever time. Which, again, uh, talk about building a holistic world. 
Yeah, there Talk there about are. <laughs> sorry, a, go ahead. sorry, just a world that like is there even when you're not. Yeah. I love that shit. Uh, there are there's a cruise you can get on, um, and it goes one way on this day, this day, and this day, and it goes the other way on this day, this day, and this day, because there are the there are the two regions you can travel between. And that's just the time mechanic. Something I love about Pokemon that I don't know if it's done as consistently as it used to be, but, like, every town in Pokemon felt like it had some landmark or other. Uh, in, like, the first major town you get to, there's the Sprout Tower, which has these huge, uh, like, this huge religious, like, Shinto vibe. You, you, when you go there, it's for the story, and you're, like, fighting a bunch of monks, but, like, it's still just a cool thing to have. Um, another town has a lighthouse that is powered by a Pokemon, and that's its own tourist attraction. It's also near a farm where there are a bunch of cows, and it's it's really just about, like, kind of looking at all these details they put together to make a believable world, and just kind of appreciating that. And uh, I don't want to go too much on with uh, Pokemon Gold, but I wanted to give it a shout-out, because I think if it wasn't for Pokemon Gold, I I wouldn't stop to appreciate the mundane elements yeah, of various games. Yeah, that's a good... I think I feel like that's a good capstone. We've also we've been talking about doing an episode on... I think what I wrote down in the doc was like flashbulb games, like mm-hmm. games that changed our perspective on yeah. this medium in some way. And so we'll, we might come back to that and that concept sometime soon. But uh, yeah. for today, I feel like that wraps it up pretty well. I hope y'all enjoyed listening to us sort of like ramble through this and try to put some rules and some concepts onto this thing that we've noticed. Uh, yeah, which... this, this is a podcast about storytelling, but this week we just decided to talk about not story <laughs> like very very but in a way all of the things that let this happen are good tools to have in your belt if you're lo- looking at storytelling like yeah they if, are it, they're about creating believable worlds yeah I think. and while that is not a necessity for every kind of story if you're looking to tell the kind of story that requires an investment on the part of the listener or the watcher or the player in the world that you're creating there are worse things to look at than these kinds of games and how they build that without even needing the story on top of it. But yeah, this was fun. I, I, I think these kinds of games are rad, and I now want to go play some more Stardew Valley. So let's... Yeah, I might actually reinstall FF15. Holy nice. shit. <laughs> so, so that we can go play our games, let's go ahead and wrap up. Thank y'all for listening to Backstage Gaming. Uh, we had a great time talking to you. We hope you had a good time listening to us. If you like what we're doing, please feel free to find us on... Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on the Google Play Store. Leave a review, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. That, more than, like, really anything else, is what's going to help us grow and help uh, us find more of an audience. That, and, of course, you know, if you like what we're doing, you you know someone else who's a very particular kind of geek like we are and would like listening to us, let them know. Point them in our direction. That would mean the world to us. Please also feel free to check us out at our website, bsgpod.com. That is where you can find all of our episodes as well as... Uh, we've also got bios. We've got links to different things that we're we have going on. We've got a uh, a contact form so that you can reach out to us and talk to us directly. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you, and we'd love it if you helped us spread the word of this show. You can check us out on social media if you want. 
Uh, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. Our handle is at BSG underscore cast. And we also upload to YouTube. If you like what we do, and if you want to talk about us, uh, engage with us possibly, uh, you should use the hashtag BSGpod. Huge, huge thanks to our friend Brennan, who provided us with our key artwork. If you like what he does, you should check him out on his Squarespace at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N hyphen french.squarespace.com. Um, alternatively, you can check out his Instagram at instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts. You should also go show some love to our friend BioQuery. He is an L.A.-based musician and producer who is behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. He's always putting out some cool stuff. He's got a lot of cool collaborations going with different artists. He recently put out an EP called Lynx Volume 1 that's just a bunch of hip-hop and rap songs that he did the production and the beats for, and they're fucking great. Uh, he's also got his own EP out called Posthuman Angst. You can find both of those if you go to Spotify and search for BioQuery, that's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, or you can go to his SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. And one more time, if you like what we do and you want to help us do it more and do it better, please do consider heading over to patreon.com slash bsgpod and throwing us a couple of dollars. There's some different rewards in there, like an invitation to our Discord server, those exclusive uh, that exclusive episode where I was talking about, uh, some blooper reels that I'm finally close to getting the first one done of after some technical hiccups that <laughs> prevented that. Um, Love you. But we are always trying to do more and always trying to do better and always trying to be what y'all want us to be and provide stuff that makes y'all think. So head over to Patreon and help us do more of that. I have nothing else to say. I have nothing else to say. Well, in that case, I'm going to stop saying things, save my voice for the recordings I need to do tomorrow, and I will wish you all a fond farewell. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, Slimy time. Chris coming back out to say goodbye.